Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this new and improved rag tag quote patriot end quote radio we are starting a new format tonight for those of you tuning in looking for regurgitation of political news and commentary we'll see you friday night on political straight talk at 48063 here on talk shoot uh for those of you that are tuning in for insightful exciting new things well this is the place to go tonight's episode is going to be hosted by mark and he's going to explain to you uh, what tonight's show is about, why it's about it. But know that each week we're going to talk about different topics, maybe not necessarily about what's in the news, but something that's relevant and can be tied back into politics. We, If you want to talk about a particular topic, please let us know. You can let us know at admin at ragtagpatriots.com. You can also uh, sometime tomorrow find us on Ragtag Patriot Radio on Facebook, and you'll be able to go to ragtagpatriots.us where you will also find us and some new little things that we are working to put in place. So, having said that, Mark, take it away. I want you to imagine a couple. Harvey and Barbara Smith. They were college sweethearts. They met their junior year of college. And into their senior year, Harvey proposed to Barbara. About six months after graduation, they decided to get married. Harvey graduated in finance, and Barbara graduated in pre-law, hoping to go to Georgetown. Six months after they got married, Barbara found out that she was pregnant with a child, a daughter. That child was born. They named it Hannah. We fast forward about five years. Hannah was not doing well in her public school. So Barbara decided that she was going to homeschool little Hannah. And she knew that Harvey was able to make financial meets by being a loan officer at a local bank in Baltimore. And Barbara took a job at home as a paralegal at a local law firm in Baltimore also. Well, young Hannah was celebrating passing her classes. An online source uh, done by the um, state of Maryland. This was about a week before Christmas. So Barbara and Hannah decided that one day, with the first snowfall of the year, they were going to go to a small park about a mile from their house. So little Hannah put on a pink overcoat. She wore a little purple tutu, and she had little polka-dotted boots with little rainbows on them. While playing in the snow, Barbara got an email from work. There was a case that her law firm had been working on for the last six months, and there were some last-minute details that Barbara needed to attend to. So she glanced at her phone and looked at this email for a few minutes. And when she looked up, little daughter Hannah who was once playing in the snow, was gone. Now little Hannah was about four foot three, weighed about 75 pounds. And like I said before, she was wearing 
a pink overcoat, a purple tutu, and little boots with rainbows on her feet. Barbara started to get frantic. She looked around and she looked at anyone that could be suspicious. There was a black guy with a blue overcoat and brown shoes and a brown pants. But she figured that she was looking after her daughter, who was on the swing set, a young girl about the age of five. There was another man in his mid-30s wearing a green dress, a, a green jacket with jeans on, just staring around in the distance. Well, Barbara got frantic. Barbara called Henry. Henry, I can't find Hannah. We're at the park. I've looked everywhere. Barbara ended up calling 911 and got a deputy from the Baltimore Police Department to come out. It was a young guy. Barbara gave a statement saying, I only turned my head for a minute. I looked at an email on my phone. Then all of a sudden my daughter was gone. This happened a week before Christmas. Barbara went to the news outlets, Channel 2 in Baltimore, then on Channel 9 in Washington, D.C., begging and pleading to find her daughter. Barbie and Barbara celebrated Christmas that year, actually last year, without knowing where their daughter was. It's been four months now. The case has gone cold, but still Barbara and her husband are desperately looking for her child, Hannah. The police calmed the area, looked in a small pond, even sent a scuba diver in there just to see if they could find something. But it turned out to be nothing. Two days before New Year's, the police said they were going to call off the search for now, hoping that they get a lead somewhere, that we could find Hannah soon. Well, this is now April, and Hannah is still missing. Her mother and her father are desperately looking for her. That's the realization of children who go missing. We like to be secure in ourselves, knowing that our families are close to us, that we can look at our family and see that little Jimmy is there, little Christy is there. But there are families in this country that are missing one key element, a child. And that child may not be lost on false or their own. They may be sinister means, but that child is gone nonetheless. And the purpose of this show is to illustrate how important it is that we make families hold, that we reunite families, and that every missing child is another piece of America that's lost. I want to tell you another story. A story about young Ava. Young Ava lives like most kids in this country. Her parents were not married, and through no fault of her own, she was given joint custody between the two parents. So in one week, young Ava will spend one week with her father, David, and another week with her father, with her mother, Caitlin. Now, this came about because 
only a few weeks after Caitlin was after Ava was born, her mother Caitlin developed severe postpartum depression. So her father David got a court injunction to grant himself sole custody of the child. A few years later, when Ava was of the age of three, Caitlin was much better and filed again for joint custody of the child. And a judge in San Antonio, in which they both lived, decided to do so. So David would take Ava for one week out of the month, for one week, that Caitlin would have him for another. They decided to meet up at the North Star Mall, a central location in uh, San Antonio. And Ava liked this place because inside there was a small little carousel. And every time that they met to exchange the child, Ava was able to go on that carousel. Ava liked this little pink pony. Actually, she called the pony Stanford. But one day, Ava One day, as David sat in the parking lot at the uh, North Star Mall and waited for the gold van, Ford van that Caitlin drove, it was missing. (coughs) David decided to go walk the mall. He spent about two hours walking the mall looking for Caitlin, looking for Ava. He passed that carousel three or four, even five times. He couldn't find her. He looked harder and harder. Then finally he asked small security, did you see a woman standing about five foot ten, weighing about 120 pounds, with blonde hair and blue eyes, holding a little girl about seven years old, who weighed about 65 pounds, standing about four feet tall. The mall securities checked their surveillance tapes, and they couldn't find anything. The mall police ended up calling San Antonio Police Department. Five or six deputies showed up. They also brought dogs. David had a a scarf that Ava liked to wear, which had her scent. So he gave it to the police officer who let the dog smell it. And for the next six hours, they searched the mall over and over again. But they couldn't find Ava. Or they couldn't find Caitlin either. The police went back to Caitlin's residence. And upon going there, they found the same van, a Ford Aerostore, a gray Ford Aerostore with Illinois plates that was left abandoned just about two blocks from Caitlin's residence. They finally looked. The police did a house-by-house search of the of the of a three-square-mile area where the van was located. They found nothing. This was three years ago. The police department decided this was just a missing persons case, and that we would just go in leads. Caitlin's family was interviewed. Caitlin's father, Jim, didn't hold out any hope that his daughter or her grand or his granddaughter would be found. David, her father, ended up moving 
Tulsa, Oklahoma. We decided to keep up the search. Last week was Ava's ninth birthday. David, her father, sent out birthday wishes via Twitter and other social media networks. Wishing his daughter a happy ninth birthday and hoping that he's safe and sound and that her mother will bring her back to him. Right now, the police aren't sure if Ava or Caitlin are alive or dead. They're thinking that there may be relatives in Arizona or Illinois or even Wisconsin. So if you see a nine-year-old girl, probably about 80 pounds, close to about five foot eleven. I'm sorry, four foot eleven at this point. Please contact your local police department. Now where would somebody go to get more information about that particular child? You can contact the San Antonio Police Department who is leading the investigation. And their number is 210-27-7660. Later tonight, we're going to uh, post a few pictures of Ava and her mother, Caitlin, on the Ragtag Radio uh, Facebook page as well as um, a few more of the stories we're going to do with tonight. Now, this is a topic that we really need to talk about. Because 50% of all marriages in this country end in divorce. And the majority of those divorces have a child involved. Ava's case is not unique to this country. Actually, it's one of many cases. But it's cases that are being slipped through the cracks because we're a little tired of hearing about a missing child and care more about what the political landscape is. Does missing children tie into the political landscape? In a lot of cases, it does. If we talk about this case, there was a failure on the court system. There was a failure on social services to see that the mother was unstable. And in a lot of cases, most most courts will go to the mother instead of the father. That's the way it's been in this country for more than a century now. And I'm not saying that the mother was mentally ill. I'm saying she did something drastic. But it's a failure of the court system and the social services system that allowed this to happen. Were there any in this particular case, as you were researching it, was there any signs of abuse by the husband to either the wife or the child? None that I could, none that I could figure. I've read police reports. There's nothing that I can see that would push the mother to take the child because the father was hurting her or hurting the mother. Okay, before we go to the next one, let me let me pull this out here. 
Anybody have any questions on these two or any follow-up questions? I'm here enough. All right. Go ahead and proceed to the next one. Go ahead. Mark. Okay. I think we may have lost Mark. No, I'm sorry. All right, go ahead. I apologize for that. That was something passing by my uh, house. The next story comes out of North Louisiana. A young boy of four years old named Therese Cortez Phillips. The family called him Junior. Therese was a happy-go-lucky young boy. He loved spending time with his grandfather, Henry, who had just retired from a local lumber mill. So in their off time, Henry, the grandfather, would take turns babysitting young Junior. While his mother was a home sitter, and his father was a trucker running hotshot routes, hotshot routes between Tyler, Texas, and Shreveport, Louisiana. During that time, young Junior taught, was learned, learned a lot from his grandfather. His grandfather liked to fish. And like any good southern gentleman knows, in order to go catch fish, you have to catch your bait first. So he would be the grandfather, and young Junior would spend hours dredging in ditches looking for minnows or little crawfish or little things that could use as bait. One afternoon, little Junior's mother, Harriet, was off of work. And little Junior wanted to go play outside. So little Junior put on his little Superman shirt, little pair of jeans, and some yellow leather boots that his grandfather gave him for Christmas. His mother didn't think anything of it. Little Junior grabbed a small net and went dredging in a ditch right in front of the house. She looked through the window and she peeked out a few times and she just saw him dredging in the ditch and trying to find something to use as bait. Then Little Junior was gone. There was a small pond about 100 yards in back of the house where Junior and his grandpa used to go fishing. So Harriet thought maybe that little Junior had gotten some bait, took a slow fishing pole that his father gave him for Easter the year before, and went fishing. (coughs) Harriet started looking started wandering around the pond with nothing. Frantically, she called her husband, who was in Tyler, Texas, on one of his halls. Told him, I can't find Junior. I saw him only a few minutes ago trying to catch some grubs in the ditch. Harrod, his mother, called the local police department. 
the um, Lincoln Parish Police Department. And they came out. They came with dogs. They came with about 20 men. Then they started looking the pond. And then the forest of cypress trees in back of the pond. They searched two days straight. They even decided to drain the pond. The pond was about 300 by 400 and only about six to seven foot deep at its deepest point. So they drained it into that cypress swamp. And still they found no junior. Junior's father returned from Tyler, Texas, distraught. Getting back with his wife, and they found that Junior was still missing. They had searched for three days, and the local sheriff's department was thinking of calling off the search. Junior's mother, Harriet, decided to go on the local NBC affiliate in Shreveport, Louisiana, to make a plea. If anyone sees my son, four years old, standing about three foot seven, weighing about 55 pounds, last seen with a Superman shirt, a pair of old blue jeans, and yellow rubber boots. Please call everyone. Please call the local sheriff's department. We want to find our son. We want to bring our son home. Now, I reached out to that same sheriff's department because I actually have a friend who works there. And there's been some misunderstood um, social media posts saying that he was found and was found dead. Well, those aren't true. And that same Shreveport affiliate of NBC also published that on their Facebook page and their web page that we're still looking for Young Jr., This is how it happens. One minute, you're comfortable in your surroundings. You have an eye on your child. And then the next minute, as of right now, there's a the FBI is offering a $5,000 reward to the location of Young Jr. the outcome as of yesterday they haven't found anything I've been in contact with them as early as 3 o'clock this afternoon and And if anybody anybody had information where would they go you can always contact
the Claiborne Parish Sheriff's Department. Okay. And if somebody was uncomfortable calling the police department, where else could they go? The your local FBI headquarters. As of right now, the New Orleans branch of the FBI is taking the lead in this case. Does the Center for Missing and Exploited Children, do they have a tip line that you can call? Yes, they do. I could bring that up right now. And if they call, is that considered, is it considered anonymous? For the most part, it is. I'm having a little trouble bringing up the number. I apologize, technical difficulty. Does anyone have any questions? about the topics we've discussed so far tonight. No. No. Well, the website, if anybody wants to, can go to missingkids.com. And that telephone number, it's a 24-hour anonymous line. It's 1-800-THE-LOST. That's one 800 843 Five six seven eight. Thank you for that. I was actually looking for the uh, sheriff's department. Now, I know that you've only highlighted three cases. How many children on average go missing a day in the United States? It's not a day, it's an hour at this point. Okay. How many children uh, go missing per hour? America averages about three about three to four children per hour. Wow. Some could be as simple as a miscommunication of little Susie going to sleep at her friend's house, or some could be as as horrible as a child being taken from the playground in New York City, being taken down the i taken down south to I ten, I ten to El Paso. Easily crossing the border and sold into a life of slavery down south. Now, I saw where, and in missing and exploited children, one of the biggest part is child sex trafficking. And I saw that in 2017 that just the uh, Center for Missing and Exploited Children responded to 10,093 cases. And that's just the ones that they knew about and can respond to. It's amazing. I know we said we didn't want to get political with this. But what would it hurt to have a border crossing? An actual border. Maybe a wall. Maybe we had armed guards that were able to do their job. And if there was something suspect crossing from, say, El Paso south, who would that hurt the country? Well, I personally don't think it would, but... You know, with missing, most of the missing and exploited children in the United States are within the United States. And I agree with that. We could only look at recent cases. Elizabeth Smart, for example. I didn't want to yeah, bring the, her up, but. The three in Ohio that were in the same house exactly. were missing from just within blocks of themselves. 
Now, you had a case that you were going to bring this all into. Are you ready to present that one? The last case? Yes. Chiffon Rundell, this beautiful African-American girl from Dallas, Texas. She was 16 years old. Her parents were hard-working people. But her father's brother was a little shady. Her father's brother was a few years older than him and got involved with a gang in Dallas, Texas. Well, one night, her uncle Randall went to a party. And at this party, he thought he was going to be part of the gang, this little inner city gang in Dallas. Well, Randall decided he was going to steal some drugs from the party. Ended up stealing about 22 pounds of marijuana. The street value, I'm not an expert on that, but it's... It's a pretty high price. Well, Rendell thought he got away with it. So a few days later, when Siobhan went missing, Siobhan was reported missing on June 28th from her aunt's house on Saltridge Drive in Lancaster, a small suburb right side of Dallas. The aunt looked frantically for her. Her parents were contacted. They looked frantically for her. Even Randell looked for her. police were notified, and they began a search of the Lancaster area, the southern part of uh, Dallas. The ant went on television in the local Dallas television studios, Channel 2, I believe, describing Randall. She was about five foot two, weighed about ninety six pounds, and last seen wearing a white shirt with pink pants and some black Nike shoes that were given to her by her father after she finished sixth grade. Well, the police looked frantically for Rendell, and they questioned everyone involved, including Rendell, her uncle, an associate with of his, Devontae's Owens, who was trying to be part of that gang also. A guy named Laquan Wilson, who was 30, was also part of the gang. They looked for weeks and weeks. 
They tore up Lancaster. They went on a house by house search. The mother, the father, the aunt, the whole family continued to look for her. Until Laquan confessed. You see, Chiffon was kidnapped and taken from her aunt's home because her uncle decided that he was going to play his own games. Chiffon was the victim of something that was not her doing. Her uncle confessed to stealing the marijuana, the 22 pounds of marijuana that was taken from the home that he went to a party at. And what happened to little Siobhan? She was killed. She was shot twice in the chest and once in the head. Her older brother, Michael Tyus, was also shot. He was 19 years old. He was another innocent bystander. He was taken and held for ransom until the money or the drugs returned. Little Chiffon and Titus were both, Michael Titus, were both victims of something that they had nothing to do with because there was the idiot uncle who decided that he was going to make money by stealing someone else's drugs. I wish this story had a happy ending. I really do. But this is the harsh reality we face when we talk about this. Missing and exploited children, there's not always a happy ending. In fact, there's usually a tragic outcome. Now, the two that were were killed, were they killed as a direct result of the theft, or were they killed just because they were in the way when a drive-by or something happened? No, no, no. They were taken as ransom. This was retribution for their uncle stealing the drugs from the drug dealer. <clears throat> wow. This was a direct result of how ugly society really is. Well, not to put a happy spin on it, but, you know, there was a time when kids were not involved. Whether you were in a gang, the mob, politics, whatever, it was a code that your children were not involved. As a matter of fact, that code stayed in place, especially in politics, until 2001 when President Bush took office. Um, It was hands-off with Chelsea Clinton. Uh, Republicans, Democrats alike, nobody touched the kids stay out of the limelight, and kids didn't start getting propelled into the limelight until 2001. And really, 2016, you saw Barron really pushed out there and people having a lot to say about you know him. But the same in, in drug wars and everything else, when, when you start involving the children in that, things like this happen. It's really sad. There's another story I want to say, I want to tell. A young couple, Jack and Tracy, they were in Brownsville, Texas. They were crossing the border into Laredo. No, I have that wrong, but they were crossing the border into Mexico. And after they crossed the border, their child, Jared, got missing. They couldn't find him. They called the local um, police department, and they looked for him. They spent hours looking for that child. But because Jack and Tracy were not citizens of Mexico, they were ordered to go back to the border crossing in Brownsville. And they waited there for two days. 
or after waiting for two days, they saw a man carrying a small boy on his shoulders. The boy appeared to be sleeping. He had a blue baseball hat on and had the same red and yellow polo shirt that they had dressed their son in three days before. The couple turned to the border guards and says, I think that's my son. Then the man started running. And the child fell off his shoulders and he kept running. He was later apprehended by border crossing guards. And other guards went to attend to the child. The child had been dead for two days. When they brought the child to the local hospital and with the parents in a waiting room as the doctors examined the now dead child, the doctor came in with his face as white as a ghost and said, you will never believe what has happened to your son. After your son was kidnapped, he was taken somewhere. His chest and his stomach were cut open. His internal organs were ripped out. And after there was just a hollow shell, they placed 18 kilos of cocaine in his body, then sewed him back up, put the clothes that he had on, and this man was using your dead child as a drug mule. If it wasn't for them standing at that border guarding station, watching as everyone passed by, they would have never found their son. Unfortunately, they found their son in the worst of circumstances. Their son was dead. Their son was being used as a puppet to transport drugs across the border. Drugs that were probably going to go into Houston, into maybe New Orleans, on its way up the eastern seaboard. They don't know where the drugs were going. But this is a horrible illustration of what's really going on in this country. We have missing and exploited children that need to be found. We have things that are going on in this country that may be unsavory to most people, things that we don't want to turn a blind eye to because it doesn't fit with our norms. But this is the harsh reality of what's going on. This is why building a wall on the southern border is not a crazy idea. This is why getting involved with missing and exploited children is not a bad idea. This is a reason why getting involved in your local police department, your state police department, to help bring home children. Because the ugly outcome it's just the ugly outcome. Are there any other questions, or is there anything from our listeners that y'all want to comment on or ask? With the resounding silence, I will say... See, you're, you were so informative, nobody had any questions. Maybe that's a good thing. I would like to say this is a weekly topic we want to deal with. From now on, either Fabian or myself will bring forth a missing child. And we'll have a small segment on each show where we highlight a missing child in the hopes that one day that they'll be reunited with their families. 
if there's no other no. questions. I don't I'd have like a question, but I do have a comment. Yes, ma'am. I can sympathize with these parents. My son, when he was three and four years old, would pull the stunt of going and hiding to, where, to the point where I would have to call the police every day. So in a sense, I sympathize with, with um, how they felt at the beginning. I think a belt might help solve that problem. Oh, trust me, he got spanked almost every day. All right. Well, given that, uh, anybody else got any comments on this particular topic? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to thank you for listening to this broadcast. And as a representative of the Ragtag Board of Directors, I thank you. May you join us again next week. And God bless everyone. Good night. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.